Hello and welcome to this podcast. In case this is the first one that you're listening to, I'm going to give you a short introduction. I'm Cindy Pearson. Over a year ago, I started a home Bible study about the women of the Bible. Each week was about one or possibly two women. And I, as I read her story out of the Bible, I interjected some thoughts and facts about the story. Then after the reading, I would recap the story, talk about the woman and some of her characteristics and how it could apply to us today. I really enjoyed doing the teachings and I was so excited about them that soon other women that I worked with wanted to participate. Before I knew it, I not only had the home Bible study, but I was also doing three different lunchtime Bible studies at different offices. So with the encouragement of some of those groups, I'm going to put these lessons on this podcast. I'm using the same format. I will read the story straight out of the Bible with some thoughts. I use the New American Standard simply because that is what I grew up reading. Then I will recap and talk a little bit about the story, and at the very end, I give a little reminder from the lesson on something that we can praise God for, something we can thank Him for, something for us to confess, and something to ask from God. One of the things I loved about this process is that God's Word says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So I believe that as you listen or study along with me, that God will speak to your heart. I hope you will enjoy this as much as I have. This is the fourth podcast, and if you missed the first, it's about Eve, and then Sarah, and then Rebecca, and you can listen to those as well. This one is about Rachel and Leah together, because it is a little bit hard to separate them. So we're going to study them together. Genesis 28. Um one through four is where we're going to start. And this actually picks up where Rebecca's stories fit, uh, ended. Um, Jacob, who was Rebecca's son, is being sent back to the country of their forefathers to find a wife. And so starting in Genesis 28, one. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Pedan Aram to the house of Bethul, your mother's father. And from there, take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham." So Jacob is headed back to the country that his um, mother and uh, originally Abraham and Sarah had come from, and he's going to look for a wife. So Genesis 29.1, I skip um, parts that will apply to Jacob, but don't necessarily apply to the women that we're studying. So I'll just let you know where we're jumping to. So Genesis 29.1. Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it. For from that well they watered the flocks. Now the stone on the mouth of the well was large. When all of the flocks were gathered there, they would then roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep, and then put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. And Jacob said to them, My brothers, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. And he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said to them, Is it well with him? And they said, It is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. And he said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered. 
water the sheep and go pasture them. So notice in verse 7 that Jacob knew about raising herds and he knew um, when the sheep should be watered and pastured because he came from a family that did that as well. So in verse 8 he says, uh, but they said we cannot until all the flocks are gathered and they roll the stone from the mouth of the well, then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came about when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. So he is very excited because he knows that he's found the family that he came to find and he has found Rachel. So Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. So it came about when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And, he, and then he related to Laban all these things. So remember, if you listen to the one on Rebekah, that Laban knew Rebekah's story. So he is very excited, too, because he hasn't seen his extended family, and now Here's Jacob, you know, right here in front of him. So he's excited that he's here. So in verse 14, Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what shall your wages be? So he stayed for a while, and now he's asking him, You know, what shall I pay you? So in verse 16, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. So we're not really sure what this means exactly as far as her eyes being weak. It could possibly mean that um, she had, you know, some problem with her eyes, but um, it obviously means that um, Rachel was more attractive um, because it literally says that she was beautiful of form and face. So um, we already have kind of a um, comparison of the two girls here. So in verse 18, Jacob loved Rachel. And so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. And in verse 20, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. And I love this verse because it's kind of a little love story all in one verse. It just, he's, he's so in love with her that the seven years just um, fly, by, fly by for him, and he doesn't even think of it as being a long time. Um, so then in verse 21, when Jacob said to Laban, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my time is completed that I may go into her. So he knew exactly how much time had finished. He, he had counted and he was ready. And Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came about in the evening that he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him. And Jacob went into her. And Laban also gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. And it came about in the morning that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? So again, if we had listened, if we when we read the story of Rebecca, we learned that Jacob, the name Jacob means supplanter or deceiver, and he and his mother had um, created this whole plan to get his blessing 
from his father, and he was deceptive. And so now we turn around in this verse, and he's asking Laban, why have you deceived me? Now, this is kind of an interesting thing because we can think in today's time, well, how did you not know? Like, how did you not know the night before? But remember, they didn't have electricity and lights. They were intense. It was dark. Um, he, um, apparently this feast was late, you know, late into the evening or whatever. And so um, the, the trick worked and he didn't know until the morning. So Laban's answer to that in verse 26 is, it is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also for the service, which you shall serve with me for another seven years. And Jacob did so and completed her week, and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave his maid Billa to his daughter Rachel as her maid. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban for another seven years. So notice what Laban has done here. Unfortunately, both the girls are victims in this case because he's put them in a very difficult position. Um, Jacob had already loved Rachel, and so now he had two wives. And um, Laban has just put his girls in an awkward situation. So in verse 31, the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. So the name Reuben means behold, a son. And so she is aware, obviously, that um, her husband loves Rachel more. And yet she's hoping that by having a son that it will sway his affections. So in verse 33, she says, it says, then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. He has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. And the word Simeon means hearing. So still again, we have a second son and she's naming these children in regard to her life and her feelings. In verse 34, it says, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore he was named Levi. And the word Levi means joined. And she said, the word joined because she said, my husband will become attached to me. So she's naming these boys um, after her feelings. In verse 35, she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah, which means let God be praised. And she stopped bearing. So I think at this point, um, she is giving praise to God for the fact that she's had the four boys. Now, in chapter 30, verse 1, now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. So now we have Rachel, who is loved by her husband, but has no children, and she is jealous of her sister. So Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And she said, here's my maid Bella. Go into her that she may bear on my knees, and through her I too may have children. So she gave him her maid Bella as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bella conceived and bore Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has vindicated me, and has indeed heard my voice, and has given me a son. And she named him Dan. So the word Dan means judged or vindicated. So God has vindicated me. So now she's naming her boys. 
in this battle. And this chapter can actually be called the Battle of the Maids because we'll see what happens next. Now she's got um, a son through her maid. And in verse 7, Rachel's maid Bella conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali. And the word Naphtali literally means wrestlings. So she she didn't even say anything about, she literally named this child uh, about her, her fight with her sister. So these girls are living in the same household. Actually, they probably lived in separate tents in a tent community, but um, she's they're naming their children to get even with the other sister. In verse nine, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. That's why I said it's the battle of the maids. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad, which of course means fortune. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, happy am I, for women will call me happy, and she named him Asher, and that word means happy. So now it almost sounds like we have the beginning of the seven dwarfs as she's naming them. Um, these different names for these boys. But but it really is kind of a sad situation because um, these boys are being named back and forth in this battle that's going on. So in the days, verse 14, now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field. So he's old enough now to be out and walking around on his own. And he brought them to his mother, Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah said to her, is it a small matter for you to take my husband and you would take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, therefore, he may lie with you tonight and return for your son's mandrakes. So now we've gotten to the point. First of all, notice in verse 15, um, the manipulation that's happening here, but also for Leah to say, is it a small matter for you to take my husband as if Rachel did it, as if Rachel did something to her, um, which you know, again, their dad put them in this situation. And then um, for her to actually basically hire Jacob out with the mandrakes. So in verse 16, when Jacob came in from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night and God gave heed to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband and she named him Iskar which meant man of hire. And Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. And Leah said, God has endowed me, endowed me with a good gift. And now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she named him Zebulun, um, which that word Zebulun meant dwelling. So afterwards she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. And then God remembered Rachel and gave heed to her and opened her womb. Um, so, he, the word there where it says he remembered her, he obviously hadn't forgotten her. He's seen this whole thing going on, but that word um, meant to mark or recognize. So he comes back and um, remembers Rachel. And in verse 23, she conceives and bears a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph, which means increaser, saying, may the Lord give me another son. So even though she's had this first son, she's now wanting more. So even in his name, she's asked for another son. Um, so this is kind of the back and forth um, between them. And 
In verse 25, it came about when Rachel had borne Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place in my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me depart for you yourself know my service, which I have rendered you. But Laban said to him, if now it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. And he continued, name me your wages and I will give it. So they work out some wages and he agrees to stay. Um, and I'm going to skip over this next part. And we're going to go to uh, Genesis 31, um, verse 3. So the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field. So notice he's still tending his sheep out in the field. He calls his wives to him and says to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that I've served your father with all my strength, and yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock, and given them to me. Um, so we're going to jump down to verse 14. And Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has also entirely consumed our purchase price. So that's an interesting verse because basically um, they know that uh, Jacob worked for them basically and that um all of that has been used. So they say in verse 16, all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then do whatever God has said to you. So Jacob arose, put his children and his wives upon camels, drove away all his livestock and all his property which he had gathered, his acquired livestock which he had gathered in Pedanaram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. So while Laban's out, Rachel sneaks back in and takes, takes his idols with her. And Jacob, verse 20, deceived Laban by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. So Jacob, the supplanter or deceiver, has again, has now uh, deceived him and fled without telling him. So in verse 22, it was told to Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled and he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days journey and overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. And, the Lord, and God came to Laban in a dream of the night and said to him, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban caught up with Jacob and Jacob had pinched, pitched his tent in the hill country and Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country. And said, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me and did not tell me, so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs and with timber and with lyre, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. And now you have indeed gone away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, I was afraid, for I said, lest you would take your daughters from me by force. 
but the one with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two maids and did not find them. When he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent, so notice they're all staying in different tents, that Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. And Laban felt all through the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the idols. So notice now that Rachel has taken the idols, and has she has deceived her father as well. Jacob became angry and contended with Laban, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all of my goods, what have you found of all of your household goods? See it here before my kinsmen and yours, that they may decide between us. And he um, goes on to tell him that he, well, I'll read it. These 20 years I've been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn of beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was by day, the heat consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I've been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters, six years for your flock, and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands and rendered judgment last night. So they have this confrontation. And then he goes on his way in chapter 32. I'm going to jump to um, 27 and 28 because actually he's going back now to meet his um, brother Esau with whom he had the disagreement before and, the, and had deceived his father to get the blessing. And now he's going back home and Esau will be there. And he is... Um, a bit afraid of him. So he has this whole, in chapter 32, this episode with him, but we're going to skip over that except for one verse in 27 and 28, because in all of the stories that we've read, Sarah, um, Rebecca, uh, with Isaac, we've, we've talked about names and how important names are. And in verse 27, um, the angel's talking to Jacob, and he said, what is your name? And he answers and says, Jacob, which means deceiver or supplanter. And he says, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So the name Israel means um, God strives. And so he changed his name at that point from deceiver, because that kept happening, as we noticed in this story. And he's he's changed his name as he, as he met with God. And now it's not going to be the God of Abraham or Isaac anymore. Now Jacob has met with God. So in chapter 33, we're going to jump ahead now, verse 1 and 2, Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. And he put the maids and their children in front, and then Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. But he himself passed on ahead of them and bowed to the ground seven times till he came near to his brother. So notice how he positioned them. He put the maids up front and then Leah and, of course, Rachel and Joseph still closest to him. So we still see that um, favoritism there. And then we're going to skip over this part and go down to 20 where he builds an altar after he meets with Esau and settles there. 
he erected an altar and called it El Elohi Israel, which means the God, the God of Israel, which most of the time when we read the God of Israel in the Old Testament, we're talking about the God of the nation of Israel. But this is so interesting because he's just changed his, changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And, and um, Israel has erected the altar and called it the God of Israel. So he now it's now it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He he recognizes his relationship with God. So if we now the only there's only two other verses really about the girls at this point. One of them is in Genesis 35. So we're going to skip over to. Um, 15. So Jacob named the place where God had spoken to him. So um, God has appeared to Jacob and spoken or to Israel and appeared to him and spoken to him several times now. And he names this place Bethel, which means the house of God. And in verse 16 of chapter 35, they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and she suffered severe labor. And it came about when she was in severe labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear. For now you have another son. And it came about as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Onai, which um, means the son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, which meant the son of my right hand. So in verse 19, Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her grave, and that is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. And then they journeyed on. So Rachel dies in childbirth, but she's given him another son. So he now has 12, which is going to become very important. And I'm going to skip um, farther on to Genesis 49 for just a second so that we can see Leah. Um, 49, 31. So this is after he blesses his 12 boys. Um, and then it says they were buried, Abraham and his, there they buried Abraham and his wife, Sarah. They buried Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. And there I buried Leah, the field and the cave that is in it purchased from the sons of Heth. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. So he was actually buried um, with Leah in the end, which is interesting because all his life he kind of separated them and put Rachel, Rachel closest to him. And in the end... Rachel was buried near Bethlehem, and Leah was buried near him. So that is the story. And let's now just kind of talk about a couple of things um, through the story. So obviously the most important part of it is just the girls and their constant battle with each other. And I think it's so sad because Leah felt unloved but had children, and Rachel had no children but was loved, and yet neither were happy. And this is what jealousy does. It it makes us unable to be happy with the situation that we're currently in because we are unhappy about what the other person has. So there's a couple verses I just want to point out here in the New Testament. Romans 13, 13 said, Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness and promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. So jealousy is listed right in there with some um, with a list of other things that we're not supposed to to do and then Galatians 5:20 is similar and it says now the deeds of the flesh are evident immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmities strife jealousy outbursts of anger disputes dissensions factions envying drunkenness 
carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So jealousy is listed as one of those things that we're supposed to stay away from. If we look in James 3.13, this is an interesting verse about jealousy. It says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Um, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So I love those verses because they talk about why we, first of all, they warn us against jealousy, but then they also talk about um, where peace comes from if, if we don't practice jealousy. So we were talking about this in one of the groups that I had, and someone asked, well, Sometimes you just feel jealous, and what should you do when you feel jealous like that? Which is a great question. And when we talked about that, we came up with two things. One, being grateful for what we have. If we praise God for what we have, if we remember to be grateful for the things we have, it's hard to be jealous because it makes you thankful for the things you have, and it, it puts that first and foremost so you're not comparing or looking at something else that someone has. So God made each of us with our own special gifts and characteristics. And if we praise him and concentrate on that, then it's difficult at that time to be jealous for someone else. And then the second thing is to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, if you think about what they're going through and put yourself in their situation and pray for them, then it's hard to be jealous as well. Because what if in this story, the two girls had had sympathy for each other and worked together? What if they had realized what each one had, that each one had what the other wanted? What could they have done differently? What if they had been content and loved each other? What if they had recognized what the other person was missing? And what if they had worked and prayed together? So the nation of Israel still would have been built, but their lives would have been more peaceful. And here's the interesting part. All of those boys were raised in that jealous, contentious situation all of their lives. And... If we go on and look at the story of Joseph, it sets them up for that story because all their life they've watched their mothers literally name them to compete with each other back and forth to the point that 10 of those boys are so jealous of Joseph when he starts telling his story that um, they literally put him up for sale for slavery. So that Joseph's whole story comes out of this family dynamic of these um, boys growing up together. And what if what if the girls could have, you know, been sympathetic toward each other and, and worked together? Um, so if we look back at that, if we start at Eve and look back, we see that Eve, you know, definitely sinned originally and then blamed someone else. And, um, you know, the verse comes to mind that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Um, but she definitely, you know, was imperfect and had her problems. And then we had Sarah and Rebecca, who were both impatient and controlling and wanted to control things themselves. And we talked about with them, you know, the ability to wait on the Lord and let him 
let him work in our lives instead of having to do it ourselves. And then here we have with Rachel and Leah, the, this jealousy and this dealing with jealousy. And yet God still used all of them. So what a beautiful story of grace that God still uses us even in our imperfection. They literally built the nation of Israel. Leah had Levi, who became the tribe of priests, and she had Judah, who is the line that Jesus came through. And Rachel had Joseph, who ended up saving Israel from famine. So these girls just, even, even in their imperfections, God used them for what he needed them to do. And I love this verse in Ruth 4. I love when scriptures tie together in completely different books. And if we look at Ruth 4, 11, um, this is the story of Ruth, which I do. We do um, visit her later in a different study. But look at this blessing or look at this verse in Ruth 4. All the people who were in the court and the elder said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrath and become famous in Bethlehem. So there's even a tie-in to the place where Rachel was buried there. But notice that this blessing, they they know the story of Rachel and Leah. And they use that as a blessing um, of, of women who built the, the house of Israel or the nation of Israel. So even in the book of Ruth, they refer back to her. Which I just, I love when those verses tie together like that. Because God's words do tie together. So that is the story of Rachel and Leah. Let's look now just at the end as I usually recap. We want to give God praise that he never forgets about us. He's present and attentive and he's aware of our deepest desires. So he knew both of these girls and where they were and what they were going through. And he was aware of the desires of their heart. And then we want to give thanks to God because he's a creator and he does see our heart. He sees not only the hearts of the women in these stories, but our hearts and what our purposes are. And he wants that for us. Then we want to confess that we use our children, our husbands, our homes and our monies to compete. And we compare ourselves to others based on appearances. And you know what? That's so much harder now because of social media and seeing pictures of what looks like perfection in people's lives. So we just have to remember to not do that. We have to remember that God's given each of us gifts, each of us purpose, each of us a plan, and to walk that out in our own lives and to not compete and compare ourselves with others. And then lastly, to ask that from God that our identity is in our relationship with God and that our joy can come from being sisters in Christ with the other women in our lives because God has put women in each of our lives for that. So that's the story of Rachel and Leah. Thank you for joining me and um, come back again and listen to some of the other stories that are recorded on the podcast. Thank you so much.